Welcome to the Fabulously Keto podcast aimed at improving health, vitality and quality of life. Eating real food in a ketogenic lifestyle. I'm Jackie Fletcher and I'm based in the UK. And I'm Louise Reynolds, an Aussie currently based in Bangkok, Thailand. Each week we will be bringing you guests who share their stories and discuss a range of topics which we hope will improve your health and well-being. Many of the guests, like us, came to Keto for Weight Loss and have stayed for their well-being, numerous health benefits and because they are living their best lives. We hope you will be inspired to incorporate these ideas into your own health journey so that you can feel better than you ever have before. Thinking about starting keto? Take a listen to episode number two, What is Keto and How to Start? Welcome to episode 148 of the Fabulously Keto podcast. And before I go into about this week's podcast, I'm going to tell you about my swim down the River Avon. So it's called the Bantham Swoosh or Swoosh. And it's a six kilometer river swim um, in Devon. So for those of you outside the UK, Devon is one of the counties in the south of England to the west. Um, so it's in, the, yeah, in the, we call it the West Country. And so we started the swim and about a kilometre in, remember it's six kilometres, I was finding it really challenging, thinking, oh, I've only done about a kilometre. Um, so I started to use affirmations and I use one that I used to tell my kids all the time. I'm strong, I'm brave, I can. I'm strong, I'm brave, I can. And I was telling myself, I'm at one with nature. I trust in the higher power to guide me. I even asked my dad to help me. Um, and then I kept telling myself that I'm fat fueled. I can do this. And so I kept doing that. And then at one point we had torrential rain. So it was cloudy when we started. Then we had absolute torrential rain that you could barely see um, a few metres or a few feet in front of you because the rain was bouncing so much off the water. And I was hoping that they wouldn't say um, that there wouldn't be lightning and they'd make us get out. So I just kept hoping that the, the lightning would stay away because you sort of have to get out. And I and I was thinking, how are they going to get 800 people out of the river if it starts lightning? So um, as I got further on, I was getting more used to it. Um, I saw one swimmer eating a gel pack. And I gave thanks that I didn't need to do that because I'm fat fueled. Um, I did get some cramps and, and sort of worked out that the cramps come when the muscle gets cold and it's been working in that same one way of uh, swimming. So I did alternate mostly front crawl, but I did do a little bit of breaststroke and I did stand up a couple of times. So in places the river was um, shallow enough to stand up. And so when I stood up, I would take my goggles off and have a look around because it's stunning countryside. So I did get some cramps. I did have some salt capsules wrapped in food bags in a running belt. Um, so I did need to take the um, two salt capsules and they did make me heave. Um, and taking them with no water was quite hard. 
and I did drink a little bit of the water because it's salty water um, to try and keep the cramps at bay. Um, the last couple, of, it, was, it was all pretty, but as you came into the last couple of kilometres, there was loads of boats moored in the river and there were houses on the side of the, it wasn't a cliff, sort of a hill. And I felt like I was swimming through a jigsaw. It was really, really pretty. I really enjoyed it. And then as you get further down, so once you um, do about three kilometres, then the tide starts to carry you a bit more. And there was a noticeable difference when the speed picked up. And then this last part, I didn't even swim. I just um, laid on my back with my feet first and let the tide carry me or swoosh me. So I, I probably could have swam it uh, quicker. I did it in two hours and 10 minutes. You know, maybe I could have knocked off five or 10 minutes, but I did keep stopping to enjoy the scenery, clean my goggles, and then at the end do the swoosh. So I instead of swimming, I was just floating down the river. So as of the time of this recording, I raised £879, um, which will pay for just over... 58 and a half swimming lessons. And I think everyone overall, I think it was more than 9,000 swimming lessons that um, can be provided now for um, children with disabilities um, learning to swim. So that was my swoosh, my Bentham swoosh. Uh, that if you look, if you join the Facebook group, you'll see lots of photos and things that I took. Today, I'm talking with Vic Basmadjian, and Vic was introduced to me by Joanne McManamy. So here's a little bit about Vic. Vic Basmadjian is an advocate of low-carbohydrate and ketogenic diets after recovering his own poor health. At 55, he was obese, weighing in at almost 300 pounds and had high blood pressure and sleep apnea. Over the past few decades, Vic had repeatedly attempted to lose weight through calorie restriction, and although he'd often lost significant amounts, he had never been able to sustain the weight loss. It finally occurred to him that cutting out refined carbs such as rice, potato and pasta seemed to help his weight loss efforts. Soon after, his son asked Vic if he knew anything about the ketogenic diet, and that led Vic to start doing his own research on the internet. Vic used the ketogenic diet to sustainably lose 100 pounds while improving his health and quality of life, and he's now turned much of his attention to helping others. Vic recently spoke with the Society for Metabolic Health Practitioners about his life-changing transformation and plans to earn the Metabolic Health Practitioner Accreditation. So let's go and hear from Vic. Welcome, Vic, to the Fabulously Keto podcast. It's fabulous to have you with me today. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you for the opportunity and uh, honor and a privilege to be here. Joanne has told me lots of good things about you, so I'm sure it'll be a great podcast. Yes, uh, I hope she didn't tell you all the bad things about me. And, uh, you know, so, yeah, she's uh, Joanne's a sweetheart, good, dear friend. And uh, I appreciate her uh, re referring or suggesting that I come on your show. Excellent. 
We always start with where in the world are you? I'm out of uh, Montreal, Canada. Okay. Do you do you, are you is French your main language or? Well, in Montreal, Montreal is prominently Montreal. Quebec is prominently French. Uh, but I mean, it's a you know pretty much bilingual. I mean, it's there's a but it's pr- predominantly a francophone. Uh, more and more geared towards you know francophone. Uh, but it's not a problem to get around with. I mean, you can you can operate in both languages, French and English. So it depends in what area, what sectors. Some are you know more on the English side, more on the French. But bilingual. Let's call it bilingual. Excellent. Fabulous. So why don't you start by telling us a bit about your journey and how you came across low carb and what happened, you know, what happened before and what happened after. Just wherever you like, wherever you want to start. How far back you want me to go? (laughs) As far back as you need to go for the story to make sense. How's that? Sounds good. Uh, Lifelong battle with obesity uh, from a very young age. Uh, for all intents and purposes, I can. I was obese at the age of ten. Uh, you know, nobody used the the word, and nobody called you obese. And but clinically speaking, I was probably obese at the at the age of ten. Yeah. Uh, many many years of you know throughout you know childhood and being a teenager and into my adult life. Uh, many years of yo-yo dieting, uh, several at- several attempts to more than several. This is several was an understatement of trying just about every diet you can think of and yo-yo dieting, and um, it was never a problem to to take the weight off. I mean, I would always be successful in in taking the weight off, but the problem was uh, to keep it off, right? Yeah. And uh, needless to say, uh, throughout my whole life, it always came back. And when it did come back, so which is very common as we know now, is you come. It comes back even you know comes back you know you took off fifty pounds, and then when you you fall off, sixty comes back, yeah, and yeah. Uh, uh, it's a vicious circle. And so it's just up and down, and up and down, and up and down. And I just couldn't, I don't know if I can say I couldn't figure it out or I just didn't know. Okay, what do you got to do? How is this going to stay off? And and I mean, knowing what I know now, it was, it's, it's, it's quite obvious, you know, satiety was never, you know, satiety was never addressed. And it was always, you know, calorie counting, calories in, calories out, uh, eat, you know, Eat less, move more, though, you know, which is very common that we we talk about that is still being preached, and that's about the standard advice you get. So to no to of no avail, I mean, I can probably list you off so many, so many, you know, mainstream diets that that is known to everybody. And you know, none of them they like I said, they all worked. They all they all worked, it all dropped, but it was no more than three to four to top six months before it would it would come back on. And I did lose substantial amounts on the other ones too, never as much as I did with low-carb on, on keto, but I did lose, you know, upwards to 60 pounds, 70 pounds on any other off Weight Watchers. 
you know, I'm a repeat offender of Weight Watchers. And uh, I've lost 60 pounds. I've lost 70 pounds on Weight Watchers. You know, ask me how long it stayed off. That's a different story. Yeah. Well, you did very well because I could never stick to any diet any more than a few weeks and I'd give up. So you did well to lose all that weight. You well, just... stick to it. I, I prefer to call it white knuckling. It was just a lot of suffering. Okay. It wasn't, uh, I was by no means in a good place. I was no means in a happy place. You know, you're just uh, setting a certain number on any given diet and, and then you're, you know, you're just, you're just hoping and counting down. Okay. When does this diet finish? Okay. Yeah. And because it's not a lifestyle, it's a diet. So there's a target range. There's, there's going to be a wedding I'm going to attend. There's a vacation I'm going to go to. There is, you know, uh, summer is coming up. Uh, you're doing it all for the wrong reasons, okay? Not once was it being thought that it's, you know, you should be doing it first and foremost for your metabolic health and yep. not necessarily just to get into a suit or just to get into a bathing suit or what have you. So uh was being done mainly from, you know, because of having no knowledge of metabolic health at that point and, you know, um, it, it, like I said, it wouldn't last either way. It just wouldn't last. Yeah. So how did you find low carb? Low carb. Uh, actually I started, uh, at one point when I, when I finally said, okay, let's give this another go. Um, it had started to, to, you know, we're going back six years ago. I came across a lot of friends that, uh, weren't necessarily doing keto, but everybody that I seem to ask of how they lost weight, not everybody, but more and more frequently, I was hearing, well, I cut out my bread, my pasta, and, you know, bread, pasta, rice, potatoes, stuff like that. Yeah. And uh, that's how I actually started, uh, having absolutely no, no knowledge about keto. Uh, I, di I didn't even know what keto was. Yeah. And <clears throat> I lost about within about a two to three month period. Again, uh, I, I had success uh, losing about 15 pounds or so, 15, 20. I don't remember exactly. And, uh, and then uh, my son came up to me and he asked me, he says, dad, are you doing keto? And I said, uh, what is keto? I mean, uh, I don't even know what keto is, you know, he says, well, he says, you're, you know, you're doing the, you know, you're, you're halfway there. It's, you know, you're, you're, you've cut out your, your rice, your potato, potatoes, pasta, rice. He goes, I'm no expert on it, but he goes, you like to read. You're a guy that curious man. So why don't you look into it? And uh, it seems to be, you know, a lot of people are doing it. So I looked into it. I started reading up on it. I started reading up on keto, doing some research, and uh, just made a lot of sense. I mean, there wasn't that much more that had to be eliminated. And I mean, those were the main cores for me personally. So you have a lot of people that may be their, you know, their, their, shall, shall we call it their kryptonite is, let's say, desserts, sweets. Uh, for me, it was more bread, pasta, that sort of thing, right? Which I had already eliminated. Yeah, me too. So I I started making sense to me, and then 
I had the good fortune of landing on uh, Dr. Tro on social media and uh, started following Dr. Tro and uh, got into his Facebook group and just followed, you know, followed his lead and his, you know, what he's preaching and, you know, what he's teaching and started more and more and more getting in depth and uh, went full-blown keto. I went full-blown keto. Um, I would, during, once I went into keto, I was keeping it below, uh, I can say I was keeping it below 20 grams of total carbs, not net total. Yeah. So I was quite, you know, strict, quite strict about it. It took me about from, from the beginning of, let's say the two, three months of, of the low carb of what I didn't know, and then incorporating keto and then incorporating intermittent fasting as I moved along and about 15 months to lose 110 pounds. Wow. Well done. And uh, I haven't looked back, uh, you know, still maintained. I'm in year, year six of maintenance now. And this is not to say, you know, it, even up till today, it's all, it's, you know, it's, it gets easier. It now it's second nature. Uh, but there was bumps along the way. There was, you know, hurdles along the way, but was fortunate enough to be following uh, Dr. Cho and, you know, learning all his tips of how to navigate and how to, to prepare yourself for the downfalls and what have you. And I learned all this stuff and, uh, learned more and more and more and more and listening to many different podcasts, doing a lot of reading. Uh, and I educated my, I just took a deep dive into educating myself the most I can. So how much, how much weight did you get to before you, you know, the last time before you started taking it off? 300 pounds. 300 pounds. Yes. 136 kilos and just over 21 stone 21 and a half stone in in the uk we quite often use stone and you go with stone right what yeah. is the translation from stone to pounds uh, so every, or every stone is 14 pounds 14 pounds per stone okay so 21 stone is 294 pounds so just under right. 21 right. stone so right. and then so you lost 110 pounds so that is seven just over seven stone and 50 kilos wow right that's amazing yeah and, and uh as we speak today it's still it's still off it's still off. i mean i'll the worst it gets is I'll sway five pounds one way or another. That's about the variance. Uh, I don't get excited about it. Uh, I must say I went down. So like I said, I went down from, uh, actually went, I mean, I'm not going to get down to the every single pound, but I, I went down to 187 pounds. So I lost 113 pounds, right? Yeah. And uh, I maintained that pretty much. From like the 187 to the 192, 193. And this past year, 
it's, it's been a solid year now that I really incorporated uh, lifting, exercising, and I have, you know, you know, just people keep asking me when you're going to stop losing weight. And I say, I'm not losing more weight. I've actually gained. Okay. So it's like building more lean muscle mass. And so as we speak right now, I hover around anywhere from the 195 to the 198 range because I did put on a little bit of via via muscle mass. Yeah. So your journey, I mean, you had a lot more weight than I did, but your journey is very similar because I started just cutting out the potatoes, rice and pasta and all those things. And I wasn't really, I didn't really know what I was doing. And then I found keto and then went more strict and then into introduced intermittent fasting. So it's a very similar journey. And I sort of go, I've been hovering where I am for a couple of years now. Um, and also only recently, the end of last year, started doing some weight training and lifting heavy weight. So very similar journey. And I think we're probably about the similar age as well. So. I'm. Uh, I'll be 61 in September. Yeah. Okay. I'll be 60 in October. So not far, not far different. <laughs> and and it was six years ago when I started as well. So we have a right. lot in common. Right. I started at 55. Uh, I'll touch on base on uh, when I started my journey. Uh, I was hypertensive. Uh, actually, I've been hyper. I was hypertensive since the age of 25. Sorry, say that again, so, you broke up since the age of? 25. 25. So 25, all the way up to 55, I was on blood pressure medications, okay? And even on medications, the best it got was 140 over 90. Yeah. Okay? And that's on medications or sometimes below the 140 or below the 90. And uh, the point I'm trying to bring out is once I went keto, uh, so about five months in and three months of keto, let's say, um, I was sitting in my back porch and all of a sudden I started getting lightheaded and feeling weak. And so I said, let me, something's not right and let me pull up my blood pressure cuffed something something's just not right and uh sure enough i i was at 90 over 60. wow yeah and so <laughs> i called up my doctor the day after telling him what has happened and what have you and uh well he said you know what toss out your meds i'm going to re-prescribe a smaller dose if you know this is the case yeah so he was re-prescribed me a smaller dose and which kept me hovered at about 120 over 80 with with the smaller dose and then sure enough another two three months later i went through the same feeling and the same episode and i kind of knew what was going on and i checked again and sim similarly and i dropped again and so uh basically got completely off the blood pressure medication yeah what other what other symptoms or things did you have when you were three hundred pounds that that have now resolved? Um, I was on uh, CPAP therapy. The sleep okay. apnea. So sleep ap sleep apnea, 
Yeah. Uh, so I was sleep, sleeping with, uh, you know, CPAP therapy with a CPAP machine. Mm -hmm. uh, terrible, terrible, terrible uh, bouts of uh, GERD uh, acid reflux uh, to the point where I'd wake up in the middle of the night, you know, and I was just, my, my, my T-shirt was soaking wet. So my body was screaming out for, you know, <laughs> something's just not right and like terrible bouts of, of acid reflux. And so I'd be taking medication for that. And uh, what else? I mean, uh, aside from, I mean, those were the three majors, but now that I look back, you know, well, it was probably, you know, I mean, what I didn't know back then, you know, I was, you know, and I know now, surely I was never tested for it, but I was highly insulin resistant. That's for sure. There's no, no question. Um, and, uh, just metabolically, not, not, not very well. I mean, I had a, a waist circum circumference of, of, of 52 inches. So, uh, you know, the belly and in the midsection and the adipose section was, you know, was huge. And, um, you know, inflammation in the body, I was constantly, constantly in pain constantly in pain, uh, aches. And my doctors would say, well, you probably have arthritis or, you know, well, now six years later, I'm 61 and somehow magically I don't have any more pains. And so, so much for his theory on, on the arthritis. And yeah. I'm not saying it could never happen. I mean, we're not invincible. I mean, maybe moving on, but as we speak, uh, you know, I'm metabolically off all off all medication, no medications, uh, and uh, feeling great. Yeah, great. So tell us a bit about your day in terms of eating and exercising. How does how does that work for you? Um, I pretty much, I, I don't have per se uh, a, a routine. I mean, of course, the majority of my week is pretty, pretty similar. Uh, let's say during the week, for example, okay, Monday to Friday, I'm I'm a guy that that does time restricted feeding. Uh, I'm generally eating any you know depending on the day, depending on what time I get home, I eat within a four to five hour window. Uh, so I'm generally eating from either four in the afternoon till till eight or five till eight. And my, I like, I like to make sure that I do not go beyond eight. I'm usually, I'm usually pat. I'm usually done eating by seven. Yeah. And, uh, because I find especially that I do have quite a large meal. And so I like to give myself the maximum amount of time before I go to bed. Uh, you know, we say, okay, two to three hours is acceptable, but I feel better when it's four hours. Okay. I just get a better, I've become, I've gone down that rabbit hole of, you know, sleep and I, I monitor my sleep closely to see, you know, uh, the sleep stages and all that, which is, I do very well, but I, I make sure to, to keep it on guard. And I see right away when I, if I have a large meal and if I go to bed within two hours, I'm definitely going to get a worse sleep score. There's no question that I'm not going to get a, a good sleep. Um, content is basically, uh, it's beef, it's chicken, it's fish, uh, Greek yogurt, uh, berries, 
Um, this is the predominant part of my diet. Uh, veggies, not so much. Uh, it's only when I, I get bored and I say, you know what, it'd be nice to have a, it's not, I don't have any issues having it, but I, it's just the way I am. I, I, I don't look for it all the time. So I do, I do have vegetables as well. And usually the, you know, the cruciferous green vegetables. Yeah. And, uh, that's pretty much the, the, the makeup of my day. Now, on the weekends, uh, sometimes I'll have breakfast on a weekend on a Saturday if I feel like it, you know, just because uh, just to accompany my wife. Um, sometimes I won't. Uh, I'll indulge more so uh, on the weekend, you know, but still the content, I keep the content the same. I will not sway out of the low carb paradigm. Okay. When I have more, I'm just going to have volume is going to be more. Okay. Uh, or maybe I'll have more of it. I'll have, you know, cheese, nuts, stuff like this, you know, like the, you know, I may have a glass of wine, uh, but that's where I'm at now. Throughout my journey, I, I, I basically cut out alcohol completely. But, where I'm at now, uh, I like to have a glass of wine on the weekend, not necessarily every weekend, but we're in a social setting or what have you. I don't stress too much about it. I'll have, I'll have a glass of wine. Yeah. So do you find now that you can stay with a bit higher carb and still maintain, were you still maintaining within your five pounds then? Oh yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's because I'm still, uh, I don't track, honestly, I, I don't track how many calories I take in or, you know, the macros, how much, I mean, I have a good idea. I can, you know, uh, I do have a good idea. Uh, I, I probably hover anywhere from 2000 to 2300 calories. Okay. It's probably somewhere around there. Some days it could be as low as 17. Some days it probably goes to, 26 27 28 okay uh my carb my carb intake some days i can still be below that 20 mark like i did throughout my journey and then other days if i'm having like you know a good amount of greek yogurt and a cup of berries and all that you know so you're already at 30 to 40 grams of, of total carbs just on that alone so if you had vegetables on top of that you can possibly take it to 50 so but I don't I don't I don't see myself going over 50 or 60 on any given day and most days I'm still below 30. Yeah. Uh protein uh I, I range anywhere from 150 to 180 grams of protein a day. And this I know this not through tracking but throughout the years you just learn how to estimate and know where you're at. Yeah, and and it's worked for me. It's uh, like I said. It's I still stay within my five pounds to the left, five pounds to the right. You know. Yeah. So, did your wife join you with this way of eating? My wife did join me. I I was I I, I was very fortunate that because uh, I think that's something that's so critical, and we see so often journeys falling because there's no support at home and. It makes it difficult on the person who's trying to to make change, and the temptation is front of them, in front of them all the time. And 
you know, we understand that, you know, what everybody doesn't have to change their lifestyle because you're changing their lifestyle. But, you know, you got to be, you know, it works both ways. You have to understand that and they have to understand that they shouldn't be necessarily, you know, especially when it's stuff like desserts and cakes and cookies and whatever, you know, uh, you know, there's ways of being less, you know, uh, uh, having it less often or have it when I'm out of the room or whatever, but that's another subject on its own. Uh, but having said that, yeah, my wife did, did come on board with me, not to the point of, I can't say she went as low carb as I did, uh, or when I was doing, when I was fully keto for that time frame, uh, not that low, she would still have, uh, but mainly she was saying, you know, if she would have more, she would have her complex carbs. Let's say she would have a sweet potato where I wouldn't have a sweet potato or mm -hmm. spaghetti squash, and I wouldn't have that sp spaghetti squash. And these are things that I'll have time to time now, but very rarely. Uh, so she her, she as well lost 30 pounds, which is by doing that, not being fully, uh, you know, as, as, as strict as I was, she lost 30 pounds as well, yes. Yeah. And so we still up till today eat pretty much the same, but she'll... She'll have her indulgences, you know, yeah. where certain things that I, I never have tolerance for, I never, ever, ever have, you know, especially when it comes to the sweets. Uh, she likes, she has a sweet tooth, so uh, uh, she'll have hers, but not too often. So, uh, yeah. yeah, it works out well. And did she notice any health benefits when she when she changed? Did she have any symptoms that went away or improved? Uh, she was, uh, my wife really didn't have any uh, metabolic issues, uh, but she found that she did tell me that she has better mental clarity. She's not as stressed. She's in a better mood. Yeah. So on the mental side of it, she did find benefits as we know that there's that whole side of it as well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the mental benefits, and you know, uh, you know, fogginess, brain fog that she said she would have, which improved, highly improved. And so, yeah, more so benefits on, on, the, on the mental spectrum than, than per se the, the metabolic uh, side of it. And now are you helping people? Well, I know you are helping people. Um, so tell us some of the courses that you've done and how you're helping people take that yeah. job as well. Yeah, I've uh, I took a full deep dive into you know getting certifications, and so I go through the nutrition network, and uh, through the nutrition network, I've done you know quite a bit of their content. Uh, I've done the nutrition advisor, I've done the sports sports advisor, I've done group advising, uh, mental health awareness. Uh, to name about a few, I'm, you know, diabetes uh, uh, reversal. And uh, I'm actually right now in the process of hopefully by the end of this year, I'll be done uh, going for the, my MHP, getting my metabolic health practitioner uh, final uh, stage of it. Excellent. Yeah. Yeah. You do the ethics one, don't you? You have to do the ethics. Yes, 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 <laughs> yes. <laughs> Well, you know what I like. I said I. I uh, it's it's been a, a little bit of a crazy year. I actually uh, uh, 
I enrolled in, in, in all what's required for the MHP. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, there's the ethics, there's the professional, uh, the professional, uh, uh, I forget all the, the names, but it's, it's, it's quite a, it's quite a stack. It's quite a load. So, uh, it's okay. Yeah. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's, it'll be fine. I mean, I spend a lot of time on all the other ones. So, uh, it's uh, it's great content. It's it's you know it's it really is. Yeah. So for the listeners, I'll just explain that MHP is the Society of Metabolic Health Practitioners. So Vic's going the um, nutrition network route, and I'm going the uh, sports nutrition and personal training route with Jeff Cotterman. So. Oh, nice, nice. Yes, Jeff Cotterman. Yes. Yeah. So that not only our journeys are the same, so like the path is leading to the same way as well. <laughs> yeah. So I did the nutrition network um probably in 2000 and I did a ketogenic certificate in about 2018 and then um nutrition network I think in probably in 2019. Um and then a so bit probably later the, the certification of the low carb high fat ketogenic uh advisor or it was the nutrition network um yeah. advisor yeah 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 um and then later on i did primal primal health certification um, okay with the primal health institute so primal health yeah so very similar so listen the more we the more we learn the more we can help people um I have a passion for it. I mean, pretty much my journey now and my uh, my focus and my why has shifted to helping people. Uh, I I always care about myself, but I I'd like to think I pretty much have a handle on on what I'm doing uh, for myself. Yeah. Um, I'm just in that gear of. It's all the mental part that has been instilled in me. And so I have it under control. And so I'm focusing my efforts on, yes, on coaching and, and helping other people. Yeah. Vic, what, what would you say if somebody's looking to lose weight or improve their metabolic health and say they're coming to you for some advice, what's something that you would think is quite crucial for them to to know or to learn or to understand uh the first thing that the most difficult part is is changing their mindset uh getting them away from uh that notion of uh, uh calories in calories out uh, getting them to understand that yes ex exercise is important however when it comes to weight loss it's not worth much, okay? Mm -hmm. And getting them to, to understand that is, you know, first and foremost, the first barrier that we need to bring down. And we need to get the message across that the paradigm that we've been hearing for the past 50 years, you know, hasn't been working very well, you know, well, because the answer you get a lot of times is, well, my doctor said this and my doctor said that, and but but your doctor's advice doesn't seem to be working very well for yeah. you, has it? Yeah. So um, 
or I have people reach out to me uh, who want to use my services for coaching and they say, well, are you going to make me, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, you know, food plan or something? A food plan. Are you going to make me a food plan? Yeah. And so I tell them, we can make a food plan together. I'm not going to make that food plan for you. Okay. If I'm going to make you a food plan, uh, you don't need me as a coach. That's not what a coach's sole purpose is. You know, people think that they just want you to write them up, eat this, eat that, eat this, eat that, eat this, eat that. And I said, you can just go buy a book or you can just go on the internet and you can just see plenty of menus is what I was looking for, a sample menu. Yeah. And I'm, I'm very... That's it's my way, not only my way, it's what I've learned. And, you know, there's many different approaches. I think set menus are, in my opinion, are, 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 are a trap for failure. Okay. Because life happens. And if I tell you to eat this on Monday at noon and Saturday and Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night, and then you have an event and something happens well, you can't be eating what I told you to eat. So I teach them how to, of course, we put, I'll give them meal ideas. I'll give them, I find out what their likes are, what their dislikes are. Uh, we'll work on it together and we'll come up with meal idea, ideas and meal preferences. And then, of course, the list of what we should be eating, what we should not be eating. And, you know, very well, like through the Nutrition Network, there's that fabulous list of, the green, the orange, and the red. Yeah. And so uh, I, I, I supply them with that. And so as a guide, and I, I teach them that they, they have to learn how to navigate and make it work in real life so that if you're going to a wedding, you can't eat what Vic told you to eat on the menu, right? Yeah. You're going to have to pick and you're going to have to realize that, okay, I'm going to, you know, it may not be the ideal, but we got to do what we got to do. You know, like I'm going to go for the entrees. I'm going to go for the cold cuts or I'm going to go for the cheese. And I'm not going to have the breaded rolls and what have you and this and that. So we teach them to navigate. But so the whole thing is, is, is for them to, for them to get engaged, for them to accept this approach and for them under, to understand that it's not only nutrition that is involved with losing weight. There's a there's a there's a big part of the mental side of it, and how you're thinking and how you're engaging, and you know there's 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 a lot more involved than just you know what am I eating? Okay, yeah. what what do I do if I'm up against this situation? What am I doing if I'm having cravings? Why am I having cravings? Uh, these are all things that you know Weight Watchers doesn't address these things. Okay. If you go to Weight Watchers and you and you say, well, you get on the scale and you go for your weigh in and they say, well, you must have done something wrong. You must have gone over on your points. Maybe that's why you didn't lose weight. Right. Weight Watchers is never going to ask you, did you have a more of a stressful week than you usually do? Did you have a bad week of sleep? Uh, you know, is there something else going on? There's so many factors that can stall us. Even if we're eating the exact foods that we're being told to eat, there could be, you know, blocks, you know, 
things that are, are getting in the way. So I try to give them a full education and I try to make them have an open mind to absorbing all this because any given coach can, 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 you know, give them, give any client uh, the best of advice. But if the client is not engaging and it's not, uh, is not putting it into practice or it's not buying into it. I mean, I've had clients that I'll be completely transparent. I mean, I've had clients that have lost a hundred pounds yeah, and I've had clients that have lost nothing and they've fallen off. And, uh, so it's, you know, uh, it's gotta be, a. I tell them, I'll, I'll give you all the support and the encouragement that you need, but you know, you need to be engaged as well. And you need to be, have that open mind into accepting, you know, it's not easy. It's really not easy. It, it goes contrary to everything we have been told. Yeah. That's so really I don't hard. blame. It's really hard for people to get their head around, isn't it? And, 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 and I get it. And I was, I was, I get it because I was there. I was in their shoes. I know exactly how they're thinking. You know, I was cut of the same cloth. I know exactly what they're thinking. I mean, my, my, my first reaction, I remember way back when, when I knew nothing about this and when the Atkins craze came out, right? My first reaction was, oh, well, great. These people are really smart. They're going to be eating all this fat. They're all going to have heart attacks, right? Mm, yeah. So that's when you don't know, when you don't know, uh, you just don't know. And so you can't blame people for fearing fat or not thinking that they're shocked when you tell them, I don't want you counting calories. It's like, how much should I eat? Eat until you're full. They just look at you like, is this for real? So, yeah, and then you have to explain to them why that they won't be able to eat as much and that a calorie is not a calorie. And so the education is fundamental. If you're not giving them the education, if you're not telling them how and why they're reacting to appetite, to stress, and to sleep, and to all this stuff, uh, it's tough. It's tough to get the message across. But uh, thankfully, I mean, I, I've, I've coached a lot of people to a lot of success, but there have been those that it hasn't worked out as well, you know. Yeah. And I think for some people, because they're so used to, and I don't know if you found this, um, because you did a lot of dieting, I didn't do a lot of dieting. Um, people are so used to being told what they should eat in other ways, other diets, do this, do that, eat this, eat that, don't eat this, don't eat that. And given meal plans, or even, you know, you buy the food from the company, this is your meal, or this is your shake. So they have a really tough time when you say to them, you don't have to do any of that. You can, you can choose, you have a choice and they're sort of feeling like, yeah, but what do I do? They want to be told what to eat and what to do, but we're trying to teach them to, to fly on the flap, their own wings, to live a life, how you want to live it and eat the things that work for you because what works for you might not work for someone else. And if you like fish, if I tell you to eat fish and you don't like fish, so what are you going to do for that meal? So there's no point me saying, eat this, eat that. Choose the things that you enjoy. Agreed. Uh, very well said, 100%. And it's like when I, when I coach any given client, 
I don't coach them based on what I ate. Okay. I coach them on based on what their lifestyle is like and what fits into their lifestyle and what their likes and dislikes are. And so it's not a one size fits all. I mean, there are the certain mental, the certain fundamental pillars that we follow that is the same for everybody. Right. But then as far as what your intake is and how much of it and, you know, you know, men, women, younger, older, uh, there's all, you know, uh, it's different for everybody and you have to be able to navigate and treat each person and each journey as a soul journey. Right. And, uh, what I want to touch on also is the beauty of, of this, this lifestyle is having the choice of, of, I mean, one of the worst things that people, uh, reasons, not the reasons that they fail is deprivation. Yeah. Okay. There, there's the, that feeling of deprivation is a terrible thing, right? And now I know that, like, this is a very taboo kind of topic because, and there's fights going on Twitter about this all the time. I'm very engaged on Twitter. So, uh, you know, to abstain or to replace replacement options mm. uh, via. You know, now if we're going to talk about sweets, you know, using monk fruit, using erythritol, using almond flour to make yourself a, a you know, a keto-friendly, so-called keto-friendly dessert. Uh, or if you're going to crave, like me and you, we liked our breads and pizza, and so, like, use a fathead pizza. And so there's a whole war going on that, no, abstaining, you should abstain, you should just not have anything and well. I don't agree with that. Uh, I think that some people absolutely do need to abstain. There's no question about it. It depends on the le level of addiction. Yeah. And, and I think it's, but it's not, again, it's not a one size fits all. Some people can very well tolerate replacement options and it helps them uh, get through the journey. I am the person, that is my journey. Yeah. I, I want to believe that if I didn't have any replacement options, if I couldn't make myself a fathead pizza, I probably would not succeed in this journey. Mm. But I was able to be disciplined and have it periodically. What I tell people is you can't use it as a staple. You can't use it on a regular part of your everyday regimen. Yeah. Ha have it when you're at the point of saying, well, if I don't have this, I'm going to fall off. Right. Yeah. And help it help yourself get through with it. But so those are the people who we, we call the harmful users and they can get away with using that. But if the addiction level is very high, whether they're having, you know, sugar or whether they're having monk fruit, it's going to trigger them and put them in a tailspin just as hard. I understand this. My only issue with this debate is it's not a one size fits all for some people. Abstinence is the answer, absolutely. Uh, and for other people, replacing what you can't restrict has helped. I would say of the majority of my clients, this is the route I take them down because I have not come across anybody that I at least, um, you know, whether you do the cage test or what have you. And so you see that, you know, uh, they're not, you know, they'll tolerate those replacements. But then if I see they're going too far 
they're having it too often. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I tell them to take heed because it could, it could very well put them in a tailspin as well. And I'm all, I, I always, I preach, make your own replacements. Do not buy them. Mm. Do not buy them. You know, uh, I don't know in the UK, you guys don't have, do you guys have Costco in the UK? Yes, we do. You do. So, you know, Costco is like plastered with all these keto this and keto that and keto this and keto that. I said, don't buy that stuff. Don't buy that stuff. You know, use your, you know, I try to teach them. That's another thing I do. I try to teach them how to make their own stuff. Okay. With simple, clean ingredients. Because all that stuff there, it's written keto, but it goes way beyond (laughs) almond flour or monk fruit or whatever. They have, they have all kinds of oats. They have all kinds of, I mean, it's anything but keto. And so if you don't teach them how to read these labels and identify what's in there, that's making it keto. Now, again, is it a better option than having the real thing? I think so, but it's, I don't advise it. Yeah. I'm with you on that as well. Cause I think, when it, whenever somebody's made it, you you just don't know. Even if they put all the ingredients on the packet, they haven't included all the ingredients. So there'll right. be some ingredients that they don't have to, for whatever reason, they don't have to um, state, or they're of a smaller quantity, and you just have no you it, you have no control. And nowadays, keto is just a marketing message. It doesn't mean it's keto. You look at it on the back and there's still sugar and this sugar and that sugar. They just break it up into different names so it doesn't look as bad or and it comes lower down the list. There's all these things that go on on labels. So, yeah, I, I definitely agree with learning how to read labels and make it yourself if you can. Yeah. So, again, it all comes back to educating your client. Okay, it's the coaches. I think a coach, like I told them, I mean, it's not about making a menu. It's all this stuff. That I mean, anybody can tell you to eat protein and vegetables. It's as simple as that. It's dry and cut as that. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But all this other stuff. Okay. And like, how do you how do you read labels? How do you justify labels? How do you, you know, teaching them that you know if it's in the nutritional facts says zero, it doesn't mean that if you go drop down to the ingredients, it's not in the ingredients. Or, you know, stuff like the procession it goes in. You know, the first item is, has the most, and then it goes lower and lower and lower and lower. So I'm not going to get into detail about it, but uh, it's educating them of how to properly read labels so that they know, so that if they pick up a product, they'll know the difference, and then they can make their conscious choice. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And then, the and then, of course, even if something appears keto and then – has it got seed oils or has it got grains or any of those things that we're trying to avoid as well? So this, it's a minefield, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's terrible. It's terrible. There's a, I don't know how it is in the UK, but here at least I know for sure, there is no governing board. There's nobody controlling. Okay. Anybody can, can, can take any product. Okay. And mark keto on it. And there is nobody controlling this. There's nobody, there's no board that governs this. So it's a free-for-all. It's just like, take a packet, mark keto on it. And like you just mentioned, you know, there's all kinds of stuff in it, you know. And the loophole is, 
is it keto? Is it not? You know, a lot of it probably can pass under, let's say, the dirty keto. Okay. Yeah. And so, yeah. like, the not desirable stuff that that's in there, which you know won't necessarily hundred percent get in the way of them losing weight, but it will slow them down because it will cause water retention or what have you because of the junk that's in there. Yeah. And again, it's not the healthiest option. So. I've seen some keto products that are so bad. I, I get this close to telling somebody, you know what? You might as well just have the real thing. It's like, this is, this is even worse. Okay. Yeah. This is like, that's how bad some of the products are. Yeah. So yeah. I, 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 I try to teach them to, 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 to be wise and, and learn and don't buy anything without, you know, if you are going to be tempted to buy, make sure you, you know, you're reading the labels and, you know, the watch out for the seed oils and watch out for the, you know, what part of wheat don't you understand is wheat is like, you know, okay. You know, so is it, now if we're going to talk lower carb, there are some options that are lower carb. Okay. But don't call it keto. It's low carb. Yeah. Maybe it passes a low carb on the low carb end, yeah. but again, not, a, not in a clean way. That's the problem. Yeah. I noticed here. Well, I noticed, I know here, in you know you go into a supermarket and you think all right i haven't got any lunch what what can i have and you think oh i know i can have some cooked chicken well if you turn it over and read you it's just cooked chicken roasted chicken and but you turn it over and it's full of sugar it's all coated in sugar correct so um it's like well you can't have that or you know you could but i choose not to i wouldn't have right. that right Absolutely, absolutely right. So it's like you said, you, you, I couldn't have said it better. It's a minefield. It's a minefield. Okay. When it comes to sugar and seed oils and uh, it's in everything it's in, it, it's literally in everything. And uh, so it, it's tough. So that's why I, I try to tell people, it's like, try to avoid, uh, you know, life's got to go on. We got to have a social life. We understand all this. And, yeah. you know, I'm not going to stress when, uh, I mean, it was my daughter's wedding a few days ago and we were at a hall in the hall. Right. Thank you. So am I going to stress of what that hall is serving me? I know for sure the beef that they served me, you know, there was sugar in there in the sauce. It, yeah. They probably used undesirable seed oils. Yes. Okay. So, you know, what we do 330 or 40 days out of the year is what counts. And if, you know, 15 or 20 or 30 or even 50 days out of the week, if you're going to go to a restaurant, still ordering on the protein end of it, staying away from the carbs and all that, it's still not the best choice, but, you know, because of the seed oils and the and and all the other ingredients that they may use, but life's got to go on. We can't stress about that too much. But if you're eating that consistently, my point being is, I try to tell people try to, especially at the beginning, try to avoid eating out as much as possible. Okay, but like don't eat, don't be eating out seven days a week. You're gonna you're gonna you're gonna struggle. You're gonna have a hard time. You know, because yeah. it's the reality. Yeah, absolutely. So how does, um, I know community is important to you. How does that play a part? Community is huge on my list. I, I, I tell 
I tell everybody, I tell all my clients, um, find your tribe, find your community. You don't even have to come to my community if you don't want to, if you want to go, if you feel more comfortable in another community or what have you, but just join the community. Mm. There's plenty of platforms. There are so many, there's so many good communities out there, you know? So it gives accountability. Okay. And it's important, no matter how much of a, uh, veteran even if that you are if, if you're not a beginner and you're a veteran and you're you know myself i'm involved in community uh, am i there because you know what it's even we need to hear things sometimes even things need to be refreshed sometimes okay uh, uh so i'm there more on a contributing side but however you know what you hear stories and you hear stuff and you hear people's struggles and their successes and you know, you hear all sides of it. And especially for a beginner, it's crucial. And, or midway through, you know, not to, to, to say I got this and they start dabbling and they get in trouble sometimes. And that's okay, you know, but sometimes they think that they're going to completely lose it. But by being part of the community, we talk about these things and we, we it's a constant reminder. So, and you're, you know, it gives a certain type of accountability I always see in our community, I mean, I'm pretty much focused throughout Dr. Cho's community. Uh, all of a sudden, you'll see somebody who was very active that is not around anymore, like mm. disappears for a while, right? So say, uh-oh, let me reach out to them because something is going on, you know, and there's like this guilt and shame if they fell off or whatever. So at least somebody will reach out. Somebody will help you. Somebody will think. And then... If you're struggling, you're also going to hear other people struggling. So you're not going to feel so bad, right? I mean, you know that you're not you're not broken. You're not the only one that 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 goes on a speed bump or has a trouble or or you heal success. You get motivated. You hear success stories. So I think community. Everybody should be involved in in in, in whatever wherever it is that they feel that they are welcome and wherever they feel that it gives them comfort and continuing education and whatever platform i mean just just get involved get involved in community i think it's huge i think it's very important yeah and especially if you haven't got the support at home i mean ideally you want the support at home but it doesn't always work no other people that can support you is really important right 100 percent, 100 percent. yeah it's exactly what it is so that's, that's that's it's huge in my books i mean at, at one point or another uh especially at the beginning or in the first even at the beginning or year one year two i've seen so many people fall off uh, i mean keto is not invincible okay as much as we like to think of it as invincible it's not okay if you don't if you don't if you're going to treat keto as a diet and not a lifestyle yeah well it's no better than any other diet right no it's exactly so, and how are you going to learn that lifestyle and how are you going to keep it as a lifestyle? I think being involved in community, once you have learned it, when it's always you're active in it and you're in the community, even if it's once a week, once every two weeks, whatever. I mean, uh, you don't have to be like, I mean, I'm involved almost every day, but I don't expect everybody to be involved every day, but at least, you know, once or twice a week to be involved in some sort of a community, listen to a podcast. Uh, you know, uh, 
get yourself involved somehow, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So, Vic, is there anything else that you would like to tell the listeners that we haven't spoken about today? I think we've covered quite a bit of ground. Mm-hmm. Uh, I nothing really off the top of my head, unless you have any other particular questions, I'll be glad to answer. Uh, but uh, I think we've uh, covered a lot of topics. Uh, I could just tell people what I'd like to say is to them, especially people who are in our age group, it's never too late. Okay. It's never too late. Don't give up hope. Okay. Uh, No matter how many times you failed, uh, it wasn't you who failed. You didn't have the proper guidance. Yeah. Okay. Or the proper information. Or the proper information. And so don't ever say I'm, too far gone and it's like they like to like society unfortunately uh sends the message that as we age it's a normal progression to not be in good shape Uh to be in good health and it's normal to have aches and pains and so yes you know you could still have aches and pains because of let's say if you've had an injury in the past uh, you know, these pains are, you know, still going to be relevant, but pains that are induced by eating inflammatory foods and this and that. And so aging is not a sentence to be in bad shape. Okay. Mm-hmm. We may, you know, so it's never too late. Make the change. I myself, I'm, uh, I feel like I feel better now than when I was 40. Okay. Uh, it's 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 huge it's it's life-changing be it energy level be it mentally be it mental clarity uh on all levels on being strong and especially to those who are getting older they 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 should make it you know their priority to take care of their health and do some kind of you know do some kind of exercise i'm not saying everybody has to go do heavy lifting but at least do some kind of resistance training, you know, uh, the rate that we lose muscle after a certain age, you know, I mean, most people are, you know, most people are, are in old age homes because they just don't have the strength to stand up. Right. Yeah. So it doesn't have to be that way. Okay. It doesn't have to be that way. I, I always say it's, it's better to be the oldest person in the gym than the youngest person in the old age home. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> okay. So uh, never too late. Make change. Don't give up hope. Uh, find the right information. Keep listening to this podcast. I'm sure there's so many episodes that give, you know, the right information. Uh, do your own research. Find your tribe. Um, you know, it's uh, that's what I probably had to add yeah now that's a really really important point really valid that because it's very easy to say oh i'm too old or i i can't cha- i can't change or i won't change or all these excuses and stories that we tell ourselves yeah that because they, they've programmed us this way yeah it's they've they've programmed us this way that well you know it's like they say you know what did you ex- well what do you expect you're 60 years old no, but why should I? They've programmed us to expect that. Yeah. But yeah. it doesn't have to be that way. 
it really, I'm here to tell you, it doesn't have to, you're here to tell your audience that we are here to tell them that it doesn't have to be that way. You can take control of your own life and aging does not have to be misery or be pain or being overweight or being metabolically unhealthy. Yes, at times we may have to uh, take certain medications. It's not, it's not a shame that, you know, it doesn't mean that everybody's gonna, you know, uh, get off all medications. There are cases, but at least you're going to be in better shape. You, you are going to be metabolically better and maybe you're going to have a smaller dose of any given medication. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I mean, as we speak, I'm completely off blood pressure medication, but as I age, I know that there's a probability that I may have to go back on blood pressure medication strictly because of, well, it's a matter of aging, but all these years of benefit of stopping and causing other, whatever it may cause, you know, I, I gained whatever I gained and I may not have to go back on it, but I may have to one day, but, uh, but you certainly don't have to uh, be in bad metabolic shape or type two diabetic. They, you know, they tell you it's a progressive uncontrollable disease, totally false. Yeah. yeah. Able to put into remission, uh, so many, I, I coached a gentleman, uh, 78 years old who was taking about seven different medications for type two diabetes, diabetic of 30 plus years, uh, insulin, shooting insulin. Yeah. He is off everything. So if he can reverse it or put it, let's call it that's not used the bad word of reversing, putting it into rem remission. Yeah. It's very doable. If a 78 year old can put type two diabetes in remission, you know, it, it, the method, the approach speaks for itself. Mm. Yeah. I have a similar client and it's taken a while because of all the insulin she was on. Yeah, sure. It took, oh, a, it took a lot of time. Yeah, for yeah, sure. It takes a long yeah. time. Um, and, and that's another thing is when people are not losing, let's, I hate the word losing, not reducing weight. And they're addressing their diet, they're addressing their sleep, they're addressing their stress. We need to remember that there's also medication plays a role in affecting whether you can reduce your weight or reduce your fat. Um, Absolutely. And that's almost out of your control unless you can reduce the medication absolutely absolutely yeah. so that like we said it's there's so many more so many factors involved right it's not just about the nutrition yeah. you know i mean it's a huge part of it but without all this other stuff that we talked about you know it's kind of hard to, to to make a go out of it you know without understanding all the stuff you know without understanding what the mechanism is and why you're failing and why what you were told was not right and why why a calorie is not a calorie and so you know uh i i bang heads with people who are not on this page uh all the time they keep insisting well it's about calories in and calories out and tell them well yeah do calories matter calories do matter absolutely they do matter but the reality is, if you're eating the right foods, they don't matter. Mm. They're going to matter when it's the wrong foods. Because there's a very good chance that, and as all 
the people who are successful in this lifestyle, when you're eating the right foods, your satiety level is so high that you do not need to be consuming all those extra calories. Whereas if you're eating the wrong food, you, you can consume 2,000 calories of junk food before a barbecue and you're still starving. And then you're going to have another five, 3,000, 4,000 calories. Well, yeah, then you have a problem. Yeah. But if yeah. you just stick to the protein right off the bat, it's kind of hard to eat, overeat. There are some people that can. But I have a pretty good appetite. And uh, I have a pretty hard time overeating the right foods. Hmm. I mean, not hard time, but I just don't need it. You're, you're, you're satiated much quicker. Yeah. That, that, that is key. Yeah. So how can people get in contact with you or connect with you? Uh, they can connect with me. I'm probably the, 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 the best way to connect with me is on Twitter. Uh, I'm there very, very active on Twitter. Uh, at the handle of, uh, I guess they can punch in my name or they can go on the handle of uh, Low Carb Beast. <laughs> uh, you can reach out to me at on Instagram. Uh, but the best way I would say is pretty much on Twitter. Uh, I'm on there. It's kind of my second home. Excellent. And do you have a website? Yes, I do. It's uh, ketocoaching.ca. Excellent. Yes. So before we finish, can you tell us your three top tips? And I know you probably have mentioned them already, but maybe just what would be the three things you would tell somebody to um, to consider? Or um, I would say the number one is... The last thing we spoke about is address satiety. Mm -hmm. Satiety, satiety, satiety. Uh, see which foods give you the highest level of satiety. Yeah. That's, num that's number one. Number two is, uh, I would say, identify your trigger foods. Identify what is actually possibly foods that can get you in trouble stuff that can make you overeat okay yeah and try to find if need be as we spoke find a replacement for it mm. you know if you know that you know any particular food is a trigger for you replace it if you can put up with it and if you can't abstain but to identify and to know your kryptonite okay it's basically the best the best yeah. way I can phrase it. And uh, the third one is, as we spoke, get involved in community, find your tribe, and keep yourself accountable. Uh, this is uh, very important to to have long-term success. Yeah, definitely. Thank you so much for joining me today. My pleasure. Uh, really appreciate the opportunity and really enjoyed it. It was fun. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you. Listening to Vic was like following my own journey. So I could totally understand where he was coming from. I think the main difference is he's a man and he lost so much more weight than I did, nearly double. And I think once you know how much of a struggle it is to reduce fat, 
then then you then you find a way to do it and keep it off it becomes natural that you want to help others do the same so i think that's why our journeys are very similar our ages are similar and we both found a way that worked and then wanted to help others do the same Vic said he felt much better in his 60s than he did in his 40s. And again, I can totally relate to that. In fact, I would take mine back to my teens. Um, I felt feel better now than I did in my teens. And it's such an amazing feeling when you feel better in your 60s than, than being younger, so when you're younger. I also love what he said. It's better to be the oldest person in the gym than the youngest person in the old age home. I think that's a fabulous quote. And I'm 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 gonna steal that, Vic. I will attribute it to you, but I'm gonna steal that, I think. And I, I just wanted to touch on exercise because I was never a person who wanted to exercise. Um and I and I still don't. I, I, in a way, I still don't. I can't say I love it, but I do it because one, I can. And then the other is I feel better when I do. And I also love the feeling of being this age and not needing any medication. And Vic spoke a lot about that because I see as well so many people around me taking medication, those of my age and those a lot younger. And it made me think, about when did I last take some paracetamol or so for those of you not you know I'm not sure what what it's called anywhere else in the world but it's like an over-the-counter pain medication I don't think I've had any for at least 10 years maybe more I have occasionally taken a migraine pill but one or two in the last year, hardly any at all. And I really, really try not to take any. Another thing that I enjoyed Vic saying was that when people say, but my doctor told me X, Y, or Z, Z, um, he replies, but your doctor's advice doesn't seem to be working very well. So I hope to I remember to use that one as well. If you haven't yet found your community, or your tribe, as Vic says, then really take some time to find your tribe. And, you know, it could be with Vic, it could be in the Fabulously Keto Facebook group, it could be with anyone or several, but be somewhere where you are supported. And if if you're in a group where they're shouting at you, I put that in inverted commas, or telling you you're doing it wrong then you know maybe that's not the community for you and keep searching and keep looking for another one in the fabulously keto facebook group we try to support everyone but we also do little challenges and things so at the time we're releasing this podcast which is july 2023 we've got a challenge going on about getting out in the sunlight early in the morning to get the sunlight in your eyes and doing a little bit more walking and we asked i asked the group you know what challenge do you want so we've got that challenge then we've got another challenge coming up in september so you know a, a group should support you and you should feel welcome and part of the group and of course you have to get involved 
but sometimes even just sitting on the outside watching in will give you some inspiration and some support. So the show notes can be found at fabulouslyketo.com forward slash podcast forward slash 148. It would be great if you could support us through Patreon. Go to patreon.com forward slash fabulouslyketo and you can choose the monthly amount you wish. Can you recommend a guest we can interview? If you can, click on the link in the show notes to send us your recommendation. Would you like to join our Facebook group? Search for Fabulously Keto on Facebook. Our Facebook page is called Fabulously Keto and you can follow us there. Or you can follow us on Twitter. Our handle is Fabulously Keto. Or follow us on Instagram, Fabulously Keto 1. Did you enjoy the show? Let us know you listened by tagging us in your Insta story or Instagram post using the handle fabulouslyketo1 and the hashtag TFKP. All the links are on the website and in the show notes. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, click the subscribe button. Reviews help us to be found and reach new listeners. Please leave a review of our show on your preferred podcast listening platform. We appreciate you taking the time and read them all. Disclaimer. The information in this podcast is for informational and educational purposes only. Nothing in this podcast can be taken as advice. Whether our guests are doctors, healthcare professionals or not, they're only sharing their own opinions and stories and this does not constitute a doctor-patient relationship. It's always best to seek professional medical advice should you wish to make any changes to your current medication or treatments. Also speak to your own doctor if you have any concerns about your health or you wish to make lifestyle changes, especially if you're taking medication.